0: Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. Our mission at New Hope is to engage our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. We pray this message encourages you in encountering God's love and displaying it to your city. We hope to see you soon. If you are listening and you're here, would you just simply say amen? Amen. Hey, I've, been really, I've really, really enjoyed this series as we walk through the Ten Commandments, and we're finishing up commandment number ten today. It has been a it's been a journey for me through the Ten Commandments that honestly has been extremely convicting. And it's been a journey through the Ten Commandments where for myself these sermons need to be on repeat because I these are these are faithful summaries of the gospel and of all the commandments that God has for us. But it's just to continue to challenge that through these Ten Commandments we're seeing over and over how God is getting at the heart of the matter and He's dealing with us on some very important things. And so I've just been a this has been an encouragement to me, a challenge to me, and I pray it has been for you as well. But as we wrap up with Exodus chapter 20, our text today is Exodus 20, verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the black, hardback Bibles in front of you. That's the version I'm reading from, and we're on page 61. But Exodus twenty seventeen says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, Or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors. Hey, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to always take notes to take somewhere, whether you're writing or on your phone, take notes. But if you're taking notes, the main point of the sermon is kind of a fill-in blank uh, for you to fill in, which is simply this. If only I had blank, I would be happy. Main point of the sermon is a statement for you to answer yourself. If only I had blank, I would be happy. It's an important question. And as we begin to think about it, I hope that some things are beginning to come to your mind. And I actually want to encourage you to write something down. And if you're afraid of other people seeing what it is, then hide yourself or something. But I really actually want you to try to answer the question. If only I had blank, I would be happy. You know, one of the realities of this world because of sin, and not to be overly gruesome right at the very beginning of the sermon, but one of the realities because of sin is that death is in this world. And as a pastor, I have the privilege, even through great sorrow and sadness, to walk with families through the grieving moments of a death. Being with families as they're leading up to the funeral and after the funeral. so it's given me the opportunity to have a front row seat to a lot of conversations between family members or last moments with a family member. And it's interesting what gets said in those moments. You know, it's, it's never, they're never a conversation about regrets in the sense of, I wish I would have owned this or owned that or bought this or bought that. And there's a lot of different conversations, and that may happen in that moment. But here's the question: as we use that as an illustration, is if whatever you wrote in the fill in the blank, if it doesn't matter in those moments, then it doesn't really matter at all. It, just to take it a little bit further, and I don't wish this upon anybody, but let's say um, that your house were to burn down you've kind of maybe played this scenario out before and someone said hey if your house was burning what's one thing you would grab from the house maybe it's pictures or maybe it's memories or maybe it's this special thing and it's in those moments that quickly kind of brings you to go hey what is most important of the things that i have and the and the bottom line is is if what you wrote down really doesn't at all come into that conversation then it's not really what matters most See, the only things that really matter in this life are the things that matter in eternity. We as Christians who believe the gospel and to believe the good news of Jesus, the simple story that I just read to these children that, yes, in fact, God created all, all things. And He created us in His image to have communion with Him and to have covenant relationship with Him and to worship Him. But because of our sin and our rebellion, we said, no, God, we won't honor you and worship you above all. We will honor ourselves and worship ourselves above all. And so we did. Adam and Eve rebelled, and we too have rebelled. Romans 5 said that just as one man sinned and sin entered into the world through one man, all men have sinned, and death therefore has spread to all mankind. All of us are in this place of rebelling against God. And because of that, there is this brokenness. But Christ comes, and He redeems. He gave His life to forgive us of our sins. He died, and He was resurrected. And if we put our faith in Him, then we may have eternal life with Him. And if we believe that eternal life matters, which we do, then that means that ultimately our life isn't about this side of eternity. It's about that side of eternity. And if what we answer, uh, what matters most, is not explained into the next life, then ultimately it does not matter. So it brings us to the question, if only I had blank, I would be happy. See, when we talk about the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet, this is precisely what the heart of the question is. What is it that you long for that you believe will make you happy? Let me give a simple definition of covet that we'll use throughout today's sermon. It's simply this, anything that hinders your happiness that belongs to someone else. Let me say that again. Anything that hinders your happiness that belongs to someone else. It's it's statements like this. If only I had that, I would be happy. If only I had that car. If only I had that house. If only I had that job. If only I had that opportunity. If only I had this or that, then I would be happy. And see, when we begin to think about thou shalt not covet, Um, As a pastor, especially as we've talked through some of the other Ten Commandments, like adultery and uh, anger and murder and some of those things, we deal with the heart issues. As a pastor, a lot of times people come and confess sin, which is I encourage to do. Let's talk through that, and let's talk through how the gospel responds to sin. But interestingly, I've never had anyone come up to me and say, Pastor, i just got to confess my sin of coveting. Like, I've just got to confess it. Why? Because it's so subtle And it's something that oftentimes is almost in our subconscious that we don't even really recognize is going on, and so therefore, we often don't see how dangerous it can be in our lives. Anything that hinders your happiness that belongs to someone else. If only I had this, then I would be truly happy. When we begin to think about coveting, coveting, honestly, as I look at all the Ten Commandments, coveting is is largely at the root of all of the other Ten Commandments, especially the ones as it relates to other people. You know, for example, honor your father and your mother. When we think about that fifth commandment there, honor your father and mother, we state statements maybe like this, and I'm not, I recognize that there's a lot of hurt and brokenness in homes, but there's been many times where I've heard people say, well, if only I had parents like this, or if only I had this thing, then I would have been different. Now, it's not to say that we don't recognize that obviously there could have been things that happened in our past that affect our past, but if we're not, so I'm not denying that possible truth, but I'm challenging the heart attitude that if only I had these things, I would not be where I am today, and I would be in a better place. I would be in a happier place. Begin to look at some of the others. Thou shalt not murder. Especially if murder it comes at the place of wanting to rob someone. If you go, hey, we kill and do because I want to take that which is yours. Thou shalt not commit adultery. If only I had her, or if only I had him, then I would be truly happy. There's this moment in the Old Testament, if you know the story of King David. If not, I'm going to give a quick summary. But King David is a, was a mighty ruler in the Old Testament. One that Scripture would even say is a man after God's own heart. Which is so interesting because King David had this moment as king when he looked out and he saw a beautiful woman and he said, I must have her. He coveted her in his heart. He said, I must have her. And he used his power and his authority and he took advantage of her in a very sinful and healthy way and committed adultery. Then he tried to cover that sin up by killing her husband. I mean, this is a serious deal, but what did it all begin with? It all began with this moment of covetousness where he said, I must have her. Praise be to God that God's grace and his mercy, there are great consequences on David's life because of that, but praise be to God for God's grace that in his repentance, God poured out his grace, and even in his great flawlessness, he is still known as a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because he longed to honor and worship the Lord even in his imperfections. Hey, if nothing else, let that be an encouragement to us today. Let that be an encouragement to us today is that God does not say, hey, you are worthy because you're perfect. No, you and I are worthy because of Jesus. And so when we look at the other commandments, thou shalt not commit, thou shalt not steal. What is, it's, I think I'd be happy with that, so let me take it, right? And so as we look through these, covetousness is at the core of a lot of these things. And so three truths that quickly I want us to walk through tonight of what is the root of covetousness in our hearts. First is disordered desires. Disordered desires. James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15 says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, I say disordered desires because desires are not bad. Please don't hear tonight that emotions and desires that you have are bad. It's not bad to desire things. Desires of things is not necessarily covetousness. For example, I desire to be a better husband. Now, I desire to be a better father. I desire to be a better pastor and a better preacher. I desire to see brokenness in this world be healed. I desire to see children not be hungry. I desire to see war and peace come upon this world. I desire for racism to go away and injustice to go away. I can desire good things. Desire is not the problem, disordered desires are the problem. Disorder desires of thinking that if I had these things in a selfish way, they would truly make me happy. Colossians 3, 5 tells us, though, but put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, and evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And this is where the Ten Commandments come full circle. Because what were what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And the second is that you shall make for yourself no carved image. See, idolatry is, at the heart of it, is covetousness. It's believing that if I take this or I long after this, it will make me happy. Even in idol worship as far as worshiping other gods. Well, if I worship this god or this thing, I believe it will actually make me happy. And so disordered desires, desires aren't the problem. I pray that God gives us good desires. God gave us desires, but covetousness and sin disorders those desires to believe that other things will ultimately make us happy. Not only disordered desires, but second is we have disordered values, disordered values. You know, when we think about the things that we covet, it reveals our values system. Let me give two simple examples of this. If someone came to me today and said, hey, Jonathan, you know what? We really need you in the UFC. And if you don't know what the new UFC is, it's like real people hitting each other. Like, and it looks like it really hurts, right? And so they're like, Jonathan, you know, you're so muscular. You're so strong. We just know there's a fighter in you. We just know there's a warrior in you. We really need you in the UFC, and I just need you to know that there's nothing in me that goes, yeah, let's do that. Like, yeah. Like, like absolutely nothing in me says that's a good idea. And I'll, let me be honest, I don't care how much money you put out there. I like my nose. Like, I like my face, right? I, I like bones where they are. I, I, don't, I don't need any, like, I don't care how much money you put. Like, that's just this a bad idea. Like, and so there's no covetousness in that direction of any kind because there's no value or desire in my life. But if someone came to me and was like, hey, Jonathan, New York Knicks, you know, like the New York Mets, you're, you're the missing ticket to them all. Now, let's just be honest. Like, there's not, that's not happening. But if someone thought that, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. Like, you're probably going to regret that decision, but I'll take your money. Like, come on. Why? What's the difference? Is there's a, there's a value and a desire of something that I have put my life into playing basketball and baseball the majority of my young life and teenage life. And so there's a joy there, and a desire there. There's a, a lot of different identity even issues there. But covetousness of longing for something reveals our values, and it oftentimes reveals our disordered values. Once again, values are not the problem we should have great values. We as a church have values. Values help give the trajectory of our lives and what is most important in the DNA of who we are. But anytime we try to fulfill our desires or our values outside of biblical truth, it turns itself into sin. Good desires and good values that are disordered turn out to be sin. When we begin to think about Disordered desires and disordered values and this question and this thought, if only I had this, then I would be happy." You know, there's many times in my life I'm faced with two desires. And sometimes I'm even faced with a desire that I want, but it may not be what God has for me. And in my own sin, for various reasons, or whatever things, maybe my disordered values, my heart is tugged in a certain direction. And there's been moments in my life where I really felt like I go, hey, God, you know, like you have those moments where you have an opportunity and you're just like, well, of course, that has to be God's will. Like, I don't even need to pray about it. For example, Newark Mets, they call me, right? Yes, that is God's will. Like, no, no need to pray about it. Like, absolutely. You have some of these moments where you're just like, yeah, like that's got to be it. Like, that's, I want it so much. But then you have this moment where God says, no, 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 I'm I'm not giving you that. I'm giving you something else. I was recently encountered with a similar situation where there was something that I desired and God put in front of me the opportunity and there's this moment where I just felt like clearly God was saying, no, I've got something else for you. And there's this moment where I, I, I didn't fully understand, but there was this statement that I heard that came across my mind. is oftentimes in our disordered values We think this particular thing is what's best for us or this thing that someone else has or this idea or this dream is what's best for us. But sometimes I think God's saying is, hey, you're chasing after trinkets, but if you'll just listen and follow me, I'll give you treasures. There was this moment recently where I, I gave up something that I thought was a dream and desire of mine, and I just believe with everything in me. If God's saying no to that, then he's got something better for me. So here's the problem with covetousness is that if, hey, if I had that person's life or that person's item or that person's thing, I would be truly happy. But in that moment, we're missing that, hey, God has a life for you to live. God has treasures for your life. And so what does it look like when we go our values are wrapped up in what God has for us and not what we have for ourselves? See, because God ultimately gives us our worth and our value. See, because I recognize that my value to God is not in my perfection, but it's in the person of Jesus, and He has great values for our lives. And so covetousness, at its, at its core, is disordered desires, disordered values, and third and lastly, disordered satisfactions. Disordered satisfactions. Now, this is really a summary of everything we've been saying But it's this simple idea that if I had this, I would be happy. Remember the main point of the sermon? If only I had blank, I would truly be happy. What is that for you? And here's the statement I want to give you with truth number three. If you're not enough without that thing, you'll never be enough with it, except for one exception. There's only one exception in this world that I think that is an exception to this statement, and I truly believe, as I told the kids earlier, the right answer is always Jesus. I really believe we here at New Hope, we say that our mission is to connect people to a life satisfied in Jesus, because I firmly believe, as Augustine, the fourth century theologian said, that God, you created our hearts to find rest in you, and until we find our rest in you, our hearts will never be satisfied. And I believe with everything in me, covetousness says, I think I will find satisfaction in something other than Jesus. When Jesus is saying, no, I've created you for me. And so stop chasing what is in my hand and start chasing my heart. Start chasing me. And I believe with everything in me, that covetousness is us going, I want to find satisfaction outside of Jesus. Instead of just coming to the one who gave his life for us. And find our everything in Jesus. And so if you're in here today, my desire for you, a good desire, because remember we have good desires. My good desire for you is that you would recognize that Jesus is the one in which you find your complete satisfaction. And so in closing, as a way of application, I want to give two practical advice, advice as to how do you overcome coveting? How do we overcome this? Like if this is a thing, there's a struggle, how do we overcome it? First is we learn to be content. We learn to be content with what God has us. Philippians chapter 4:11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There's a beauty in finding contentment in our life situations. And really that is a response of finding our satisfaction in Jesus. Because when we're truly satisfied in Jesus, we recognize that there's nothing in this world that will ultimately satisfy us, and we find contentment. Now, once again, there's nothing wrong with n- wanting new things. For example, my wife and I bought a new car this week. Um, because yeah, yeah, all right, cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I bought a new pair of shoes a few weeks ago. Are we gonna tear that too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I bought a pizza. I mean, can we give this? Okay, too far. But so there's moments where you're like, yeah, we, we need to get new things for various reasons. There's nothing wrong for that. And the Lord provides that great. But here's the thing also going, hey, what does it look like to be content with where you are? I'm going, God's got you where you are for a reason. He's given what you have to walk with him. And I'm telling you, there's just, a, there's just a sweet pleasure in this world to truly finding your contentment and satisfaction in Jesus because then that means what we sang earlier, that we can worship him no matter our circumstances, no matter what's going on, we can worship him because our worship and satisfaction is not determined by our circumstances, but it's determined simply by knowing and loving Jesus. Therefore, we can be content in all circumstances. Not only or do we learn to be content but we also just guard our hearts. Luke twelve fifteen, And he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life is not wrapped up in what you have. Your life is not wrapped up in your status, your accomplishments. Your value isn't there. Your value is in the fact that despite you, Despite your accomplishments, despite your flaws and failures, despite uh, the things you have or the things you don't have, despite all of those things, despite your sin, despite it all, Jesus still loves you with all that he has and that he gave his life for you. Man, our life is not in the abundance of creation. Our, bu- our life is in the abundance of the creator. And so I pray that today you would recognize the call to be faithful, to be content, to guard our hearts and to find our satisfaction in Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.